the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Welcome to another edition of the Youthscape podcast. I'm Martin Saunders. With me, as always, wonderfully, Rachel Gardner. Uh, and because it's Bring Your Child to Work Day, I've also brought uh, my long-term friend, collaborator, children's worker and son, <laughs> Charles Merritt is here. Hello, Charles. Hello. I, I don't know what I'm meant to say at this point. I'm not actually your son, biologically, uh, but in spirit, maybe. <laughs> But any excuse to tell this story. So uh, Charles and I took um, my youngest two sons, Samuel and Zachary, swimming. Uh, And so we all went swimming. Charles at the time was 23, 24. That's important to the story. You're consenting to this story, Charles. Doesn't matter. (laughs) So... (laughs) so, uh, So we went swimming and we were all in the big pool together. And then my littlest one, Zachary, who was only about five at the time, was struggling a little bit in the big pool and he wanted to go in the, in the baby pool. And so Charles said, I'll, I'll take him. And so they climbed out together and started to walk to the baby pool, at which point the lifeguard rushed towards me and said, how old is your son? And I said, oh, he's five. And the lifeguard said, no, not that one. Your older son, looking at Charles. And I said, hang on a minute. How old would he have to be for this to be a problem? And he said, 15. And I said, that's wonderful. Thank you for asking that. He's actually 23. And he's not my son. But Charles does have a youthful look. I think it'd be fair to say. I think that's the point of that story. He has a youthful look. I think it's impressive that I have a youthful uh, look after working with you for five years as well. Yes, right. Come on. Bring it. Bring the sass. Bring it right back out there. Did did they ask you about your grandpa left in the big pool? Did they ask whether he'd be okay? (laughs) No, they didn't ask about that (laughs) now. Thankfully not. So, Charles, it's really lovely having you. Thank We've you. now got that ridiculous situation again of the mic has been moved to you. I yes. just feel a transition coming on from oh, one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Maybe Charles. it's a bit of nepotism and I can <laughs> I can take over the podcast now. Oh, so how are you doing, Charles? <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank you. Oh, Good. Are you Should, enjoying this season? So I mean, far? I'm loving this season so far that I've listened to every single episode as <laughs> it's been recorded. Um, yeah, I'm loving it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Um, now, our wonderful guest today, Martin, you're going to be, don't walk away. You're going to get back in on here because uh, the, our wonderful guest today, who I interview, the lovely Lauren Windle, more about her later. She's amazing. All the way through the interview, there's a little bit of the noise of a little dog, a little puppy, because mm. she's puppy sitting. And there's little, little kind of cries happening, <laughs> kind of the little claws are going. A scuffling. Um, a scuffling. And I said to you, shall we talk about dogs? And you said, oh, don't get me started on dogs. So I feel there is a kind of a ripe stream here uh, about dog conversation. I love my dog. Okay. You I love dogs. I love one of my dogs. <laughs> so we have a second dog, right, who ridiculously we've got in the first place. That's the first ridiculous thing. <laughs> you, may, you may pick up it's not my idea. Ridiculously, uh, my wife then insisted that we call it Twizzle. Ooh, how did that go down with you? Yeah, I thought it was a terrible idea. <laughs> Did you have any sway? Because I've always wanted to have one of those, like, man. You know, like a builder's the name man for a you're dog. meant to be, dog. No, you know what I mean? Like, Alan. I've always wanted to have, like, a dog called Alan or Gary or something like that. But it's a girl, so... 
um you know that was that was turned down <laughs> and and so no twizzle was the name yeah. because there's a village in northumberland near where we go on holiday called twizzle oh and that's why that's the Os- only reason well i live near oswald twizzle oh do you yeah so maybe there's a bit oswald of twizzle Lan- lancashire lancashire thing so so we've got and it is just also it's the most ludicrous puppy in the world. So, so we went through puppy school. We've just done six weeks of puppy school, which was one of the most humiliating experiences <laughs> in my life. So, so it made you rethink when your I, authority, your status. When I was at school, I was really awful at sport and I always used to finish last at sport and everyone could do all the sport activities. Yeah. And I, I think I might be a bit dyspraxic, okay. genuinely. And so I, um, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't catch, couldn't throw, couldn't run. I didn't do any sport. And so um, this was like flashbacks for that. Oh, no. Yeah. Is it a lot of you just chucking the ball for the dog to get? So you, you basically, oh. all the other people at puppy school, yeah. they've trained their dog and the dog's like, you know, come now. And the yeah. dog comes. Yeah. And then, the, you know, sit, lie down, roll over, all of that. Absolutely perfect. As soon as I start talking to my dog, if I give it like one millimetre of like uh, slack on the lead, it tries to bolt to go and eat another dog. Or, I mean, it's tiny, but it thinks it can eat another dog. I'm calling it it. She. She. She tries to like get away. She wheezes on the floor. She's like, she failed puppy school. And they're giving us a participation certificate. It's meaningless. (laughs) You want this dog trained. I mean, is there not like a guarantee that at the end of six weeks puppy school, that's their guarantee, that, yeah. surely. The dog is dog not is... in any way trained. Oh my goodness. The dog sits because it likes to sit. Mm, that's it. As a family. Sorry that we're totally dining out on dogs. Everyone's like, well, I'm listening to my youth ministry. But I, my family, we've caved. We we are going to get a puppy. Do you want mine? Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't think I do. Twizzle, that's a terrible name. You can change the name. And also I have um, another half. He has terrible allergies. Oh. So we have very limited You've options. You've got away with it. Yes, but the, the clinch point was our 10-year-old writing my husband the most beautiful. She'd like created this card where little faces of dogs pop out and she's written like, Daddy, I think a dog will be really good for my mental health. Wow. I mean, for goodness sake. Wow. This is incredible. This child's amazing. She's such a leader. But like, I was like, Jason, we cannot say no. And also her and I and some of the young people we work with, once a week, we sit on my sofa and we watch... A dog house, and it's oh, yeah. all about you know people that are struggling with life and dogs that have been abandoned and they're matched. And I, every time I pull my eyes out, it's just so. I think we we just can't go back now. We we are getting a puppy. So if you're listening to this and you don't oh, like dogs, you I, I hope you skip that bit because the interview is amazing. Yeah, really good. Please, but really you, good. you you so haven't been a dog person. No, I never. I because my family have been homeless as I've sort of talked about before. So we've often lived with different people. We're sofa surf. We've been in rentals. We've never owned our own home. So I never grew up ever being able to have any pets whatsoever yeah but i've missed out on kind of like how do you do dog i mean i don't know how you do it what, what how do, do you do dog do? what do dogs do what don't they do where can they go where can't they go <laughs> how do you do dog and i have visions because in the last place that i went well, years ago and i was working in a um an outreach program in london and, and a few of the, the youth workers had like these beautiful labrador dogs and we would put them into rooms with young people that we'd who'd been sofa surfing and sleeping rough and these dogs would sleep on the floor and the young people would sleep on the sofa they'd all feel really safe so in my head dogs are all you know amazing youth work tools they're yeah. amazing therapeutic yes absolutely little animals but the more i talk to people who actually have dogs they're like no it's just crazy yeah. you can't do anything so no. i don't know yeah i feel torn 
So, um, I loved chatting with Lauren Windle. You know, there are some people that you've never met before, and the moment you meet them, you're like, I, oh, I want you to be my friend. Like, you chat, you're brilliant. She has so much wisdom to share and she's incredibly generous and what you'll hear in this interview is she she touches a little bit on her own story and that you know you hear kind of where she's come from and what she has been going through and is still going through but what comes out of this is how this has massively shaped her engagement with young people and her heart for churches being places where young people can have really good safe conversations about about all sorts of things including addiction and addictive behaviors and those responses that we might have to our pain or distress that are really unhealthy and paying attention to that so it is a whirlwind of an interview partly because she is puppy sitting which is why we talked about dogs and this puppy desperately needs to go outside but also because i think it's gonna be one of those conversations that you will listen to again and again and you'll just keep taking something from it both about our own way of dealing with discomfort and just dist- the way that we distract ourselves to feel better but also how we can be there for young people and spot the stuff that, that maybe others aren't noticing so this is when i caught up with the brilliant Lauren. So excited to be with you, Lauren. I'd like to start by asking you about whether you can remember any big conversations about addiction that you've had over the years. What have your big conversations about addiction been like? Oh my goodness. Well, absolutely millions because I've very much positioned myself in that space. Um, And as you already know, and potentially a few people listening to this may already know, I'm in recovery from addiction, from alcohol and drug addiction myself coming up to eight years. So in those eight years, absolutely surrounded by really positive conversations about addiction. And I feel like I had just increasingly grown in understanding of it. When I was younger, because I would say I really started to spiral in my early early 20s um pre that time I remember distinctly thinking addiction was weakness and I remember thinking people who are depressed just needed to you know sort themselves out cheer up a bit come on guys it's not that bad you know and if you're addicted to alcohol you just put the glass down and walk away and that is as simple as life is and I think over time I've I've realized that actually not only is that not a very kind or empathetic attitude, but it's it's actually inaccurate. Can you describe for us a little bit your um, perception of what addiction is? So what what is addiction and what is it meant for you to be in recovery from addiction to alcohol? Yeah, gosh, that's a big question. So loads of people have got a different idea there's lots of like conflicting information about what addiction is even amongst sort of like experts and researchers and some people say it's really quite specific to substances some people will say no you know if you're compulsive or obsessive and 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 showing those kind of addictive qualities towards anything whether that be you know we talk a lot about sort of sex and pornography at the moment and and food and and other things as well you know there's there's loads of different things that you can be addicted to my perspective on it and this is from very much from a sort of christian perspective as well is that addiction's not the problem 
it's the symptom associated with the problem. So what you've got is someone who has a God-shaped hole in their lives, whether that's because they don't know God at the moment or they do, but for some reason, they're not able to fully allow him to satisfy and fill them up. Um, so they turn to something human. And I think actually, when even people who don't identify and never in their lives will identify as an addict, know what that's like. We have all been at a crossroads and gone right, long term, I could pray, I could go and sit with a friend, I could make a cup of tea, I could really reflect on this and, and take some gentle, safe steps, or I can do something that feels really good that will distract me from it in this moment. I can eat the cake, I can hook up with that person, I can have that drink, you know, I can distract myself in whatever way. Um, <clears throat> and actually that's super unhelpful. And it's just a case of making that choice a few times and for an addict you do it a few times and you get to the point where you can't really stop making that choice right. you know you lose your ability to to make the healthy choice and back when it was still possible you didn't realize how important it was and as soon as you realize it is so important your ability to do so on your own will is is pretty much gone and that's horrific to be in a position where you know you're making a choice that harms yourself and to feel like you have no escape from it is something I just wouldn't wish on anyone. It is absolutely, like people say soul destroying. I believe it is genuinely soul destroying. Um, so what it means to me to be in recovery is actually um, not that I am fixed and it's a solved problem and that I am zapped and healed by God. Um, because then if I considered myself recovered, finished, I would say that I could probably have a glass of wine with dinner and that would be fine. <clears throat> I actually don't believe I can do that. And that's not because God hasn't finished or he's held me back or he's let me down. It's because like Paul talks about, there's this thorn, there's this thing that actually it, it's in my side. It's It could be debilitating, but God has used it to help me walk more powerfully than ever. So I'm not asking for it to be taken away because what I get from it, what God does through that weakness is, is to show me a life that is far better than one I could have chosen for myself. It's absolutely incredible, Lauren, hearing you talking about this so eye-opening. And in a minute, I do want to ask you some questions about how we might navigate conversations with young people about um, choices and decisions and, and, and uh, addictive behaviours and the responses that you might have to those sort of feelings of uncomfortable and trying to medicate that. But I, I just want to start by asking you something that feels quite uncomfortable in a way, because I think so often we can sort of put addiction in a box over there and say, well, that person over there, they're an addict. Mm. But I'm I'm fine and yeah I have days where maybe I you know I uh, maybe drink too much or eat too much chocolate or I, I spend too much money and there's a bit of a pattern there but on the whole I can manage it how mm. how important Lauren would you say for us as human beings let alone volunteer youth leaders pastors ministers how important is it for us to pay attention to those small patterns and small habits that we might not say we're addicted but as yeah. you're speaking we're feeling a bit unsettled I think familiarize yourself 
with what addiction can look like. And it's very much different for different people, but a good sort of test, a good way of narrowing it down is if it's causing a problem in your relationship with yourself, with your friends, with your family, because friends and family calling you out is not something to be ignored. Um, doesn't necessarily mean they're completely right and they have the full picture, but you need to listen to that. You know, your, your relationship with your church, your relationship with your work, your relationship with God. If it's affecting those things, ask yourself why, put some boundaries in place. If you can't keep to those boundaries consistently, then maybe we're looking at something more serious. But as somebody who is leading, you know, that is the enemy's trick. You know, it's, it's not to like make us, you know, not love God and stuff. Well, for some people maybe, but actually what's really convincing, what's a, what's a really good tactic is to have something in our life that distracts us sufficiently that we can't, that we can't fully live life and invest in what God has laid out for us. That's genius. And it's, and it looks so good short term, you know, but actually when it takes hold, it is horrific and, and debilitating as we've said. So just looking out for those early signs, keeping yourself highly accountable. You are in leadership, your front line, you know, and making sure that you feel safe to be a hundred percent honest to start it doesn't mean you have to stand on a stage and announce all of your the intricacies of your life but you need to be a hundred percent honest and accountable to a handful of incredibly trustworthy incredibly wise incredibly god-centered people just to make sure that you are keeping on a great track and even if you're taking a couple of steps down the path in the wrong direction that you can catch it quickly and that you're aware of that and that you can be accountable to those people for it and i guess those people in many ways finding those people sometimes we find them as we step into conversations with people because sometimes we can look around our friendship group or maybe other volunteers in our yeah. youth work or our church and we think I'm not sure who would who would be able to kind of yeah. offer that unconditional love but it's always amazing as you begin to develop friendships and relationships, maybe with yeah. people in different age groups to you, there might be some older people yeah. in your church that have been yeah. that way. Um, yeah. I remember as a, in my early twenties, I was struggling with really sort of compulsive behavior around something to do with my sexuality. And it was a much older lady in church that had been there. She'd gone through yeah. it, she understood. And, and I would never have sought her out to be my friend, but she was just what I needed to yeah. get that accountable partner, yeah. I agree. I think those sort of cross-generational um, relationships are God can use them to do spectacular things and and we will take it we will take much harder words from someone who isn't actually our best friend isn't actually in our close social network and particularly from someone who's older you know like just someone going like all right let's cut the rubbish here what have you been doing let's talk yeah. about it whereas yeah. someone else you know sometimes Sometimes you need gentleness, sometimes you need a firm hand and, and God will know, you know, which one to direct you towards. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, let's talk now specifically about young people. Mm. You're being listened to by wonderful youth workers, volunteer youth workers. Maybe we're only seeing young people once a week in our groups, or we might be in schools regularly. We're not um, you know, psychologically professionals, we're not therapists. Mm. When we're thinking about young people and addiction, what are we talking about? What does it look like for young people to be developing addictive behaviours? What we want are young people who are measured and balanced and investing their energy 
in God and Jesus. And no one, no one, no one's ever going to get that right 100%, possibly even 50% of the time, <laughs> you know, but we, we do our best to support young people to find that, that, that kind of leveling out because, you know, as a teenager, your risk assessments off you, you just want to like experience everything for yourself, test the waters, try it all out and often don't necessarily make the most sensible decisions. And actually teaching people that there's nothing boring about being a level person, that you don't need high highs and low lows, you know, that's actually really valuable. And modeling it yourself as much as possible, I think is great as well. Just as a kind of general attitude and lifestyle that's that's worth fighting for, that's, that's um, inspirational. Um, an encouragement to people who are listening as well is that there's been so much research on the the sort of dangerous factors the risk factors that can lead to somebody ending up in addiction um and then also on the protective factors and a young person going to church is a protective factor because it just creates another level another buffer of support another place they can go another environment which is hopefully i know everyone will be working towards creating a really safe welcoming friendly environment um which can be a challenge but you know that's not my job so <laughs> thank goodness <'cause> that's really <laughs> um but yeah that's it so just opening up this space just having somewhere on a thursday night or you know in between services or, or whatever it is that you offer at your church that alone just knowing that there's that regular person who they can turn up to and they can say stuff to who is still going to welcome them afterwards who isn't going to hate them who is going to talk them through it is really really valuable um so that's amazing i would say you know it's really scary to think that somebody in your group could be like in the depths of addiction. And we're kidding ourselves if we think that teenagers don't get the opportunity to experience these addictive things and even the opportunity to develop those genuinely like addictive patterns because they can start so painfully early. I've worked, the, the person who I mentored most recently first tried to give up alcohol. So had gotten into that pattern and you should need to give up at 16. So she had really been hitting rock bottom from an age that, you know, is still childhood and it should still be childhood. Um, you, I think it, knowing that you are not solely responsible for that young person's well-being, mental health, behaviour is really valuable because it's too much. It's too much to carry on you as an individual. I'd say things to look out for are what, what's their home like, life like? You know, are they around people arguing constantly? Is there a lot of drinking, potentially even drugs in their families? Um, you know, and, and, you know, we've got this sort of picture of a family who goes to church as being completely perfect. Chances are they're not. And I know certainly where I grew up, load of people came to the church youth group who didn't come to the church. You know, they just needed something to do. Um, so you know people could be coming from all backgrounds get to know them work out what their situation is what their struggles are what they find difficult what scares them what excites them you know and and piece together a picture of what their unique challenges are sorry i'm dog sitting for a dog beautiful little this? puppy it's so <laughs> lovely no one else can see this but i'm just in this beautiful little, little red puppy 
if you hear squeaking, I'm not like torturing a small animal. I'm just refusing to let her in the garden to pull up more of my grass. Oh my um, goodness. I'm going straight on a walk with her after this. But yeah, it's that case of like creating that safe space. In terms of safeguarding, every church will have procedures where they can see that that a young person is hurting themselves or, you know, making those dangerous decisions and follow those because they're not there to restrict your relationship. They're there to encourage it to flourish in the safest way possible. And I've had a few people say, oh, you know, I really thought about calling social services and stuff like that, but I didn't. And and actually, yeah, it's, you know, it's horrific to have to include external people, but mm. actually those systems are not there to yeah. be evil, they're there to protect. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah. so important, that's so important. I, and I guess most areas will have some version of a youth drugs and action and yeah. alcohol action team, won't they, which you can chat to as well. Um, yeah. It's really powerful to hear you set, to remind us that of course, young people themselves could be finding themselves in um, all sorts mm. of kind of addictive patterns mm. and behaviors that they're beginning to feel very trapped by. I guess also it's quite likely that we'll have young people in our, in our groups who maybe come from homes where there's a lot of addiction in the home mm. around them. They're sort of living with the impact impacts of um, addiction around them what would you say is the gift of the church or the youth ministry for those young people who are just experiencing utter chaos with the adults in their lives addiction yeah um it's very dangerous for a child to be in an environment that feels unsafe and when somebody is drinking or taking drugs or drinking to blackout waking up on the floor on the sofa you know that is going to have an effect on a child Um, But I don't believe that somebody's environment is their destiny, you know, and that's what the church believes. No one's condemned to relive the sins of their parents, you know, with proper support, with an understanding of what the fullness of life really is and what redemption looks like, you know, and it, it will be a process for those people to work out what stable living is in their life, to work out forgiveness for where they have not been cared for in the most attentive and loving way um and the church the church can show that i think the most valuable thing that the church can do for a young person who is in a volatile situation is be absolutely steadfast is to always show up when they're going to show up always phone and drop in when they say they're going to drop in always approach it with gentleness and kindness and just be there because it's it's remarkable how many people feel like if someone really knew them if someone really knew what went on in their house if someone really knew what went on in their head they would not be good enough they would not be loved they they would be alone they'd be left and the church can show that they can model that they themselves are not perfect and people still show up for them And in the same way, they don't expect perfection for you, but they're not going anywhere. You know, for somebody to feel that there's someone in their lives who there's nothing they could do to make them walk out is absolutely game changing. And I think that's what we can do. Amen. Lauren, you need to go and take that puppy for a walk. And we need to go and just we need to just go and process this absolute gold that you've given us today. Lauren, thank you. And I think we're gonna get to hear you a lot more over the summer at satellites and other stuff. So we're so excited to um hang on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Bye. (laughs) 
Absolutely brilliant, Rachel. Well done. Um, before I talk about where you can hear Lauren Windle next, um, there's a place where you can actually watch and listen to Lauren online, um, the esteemed website of TED, uh, TED.com, um, which is where they collate together all the best speakers on all the best topics ever, right? And right there, under the, under the, um, the headline, Lessons a Drug Addict Can Teach You, is Lauren Windle wow. sharing her story uh, in 2018. And that's how we kind of first came across her, actually. Um, and it's an amazing TED Talk. It's probably, of, I don't think I've seen a TED Talk that is so open about faith. Wow. Because normally TED yes. doesn't quite, doesn't, do doesn't love that, doesn't do yeah. faith. Yeah. But because of the subject matter and because she talks about the different steps of recovery, um, she's able to talk about her faith in a really honest and it, it's, you know, it's amazing evangelistic talk, I think. Um, don't let Ted hear you say that might take it down. <laughs> anyway. So where can we hear more Well, let me tell you, you can hear her at Satellites. Oh. So she is going to be speaking on our main stage on, yes. this summer. Um, and so hopefully you've heard of that already. But um, yes, she is one of our speakers at Satellites at the Peterborough Showground from the 9th to the 13th of August this year. We have our first event. Finally, we're really doing it this time. If, you've list- if you're listening to like the archive, you'll hear me say this several times about events that never actually happen. But this time, <laughs> oh, it really is happening. We've got a load of people booked in this yeah. time. Uh, I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, she's going to be sharing uh, a bit of her story. She's she's going to talk in one of the main sessions, not particularly about addiction, but then she's going to do a bit more stuff in the program, particularly about addiction and and particularly for young people thinking about addiction. So I think she's going to be an amazing person to um, to hear from. Uh, there's lots of other great people speaking as well, including you, Rachel. Oh, well, I'll be also camping, so who knows what will be coming out of my mouth, honestly. I'm so, so, yeah, I'm not sure. Really not sell sure yourself, yeah. I'm trying to get <laughs> Sorry, people to come to this event. <laughs> this is not the moment to play yourself down. Well, interestingly, I've been joining you more recently on little visits to groups of youth workers all around the UK. And it made me smile just then, because I'm a lovely listener, whether you heard that Martin talks about satellites slightly differently. Have you noticed? Like, uh, for a long time, we would know all about satellites, values and visions, very important, and about the amazing cafes, very important. Now, Martin very quickly tells us the dates and where it is. And I, I can tell you why, because I sat with you, with lots of church leaders and youth workers, and we've done this amazing, I think, amazing presentation. And at the end, the question is, oh, where is it? And what days is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> think, so we're now learning that actually, if you're planning on bringing young people somewhere, some of the most pressing not information yeah. is, where is it? And when is it? Yeah, but, um, yeah so- I, I do. I leave out that it's a camping event. <laughs> It's a Christian <laughs> event. I leave out loads of the key loads details, the really key details in my pitch. Yeah. But what's been really interesting for me is a number of churches that are saying, of course, you know, young people that we're working with now don't remember going to Soul Survivor or any kind of Christian festival. So although we as youth workers have quite a long kind of legacy in our yeah. memory, many of our young people aren't. So that I'd never really dawned, that never dawned on me that we're going to have potentially a large percentage of the young people there have nothing else to base this no. on, which is really exciting. But also that they're going to be coming from churches where they might be now the forerunners of the youth ministry. They, yeah. they age in year nine are basically where youth ministry is beginning again. Yes, I mean, yeah. you, have you reflected on how that might feel when we're all together, that yeah. newness of everything? Yeah, I think it's really exciting. I think that there'll be preconceptions and they'll be brought by the leaders 
of what these sorts of events are. But for the young people, they are they're like describe this to me, explain explain to me what this is because if they're in a, if they're in anything under year eleven, probably they've never been to yeah. a, a festival like this uh, on the most part. And so um, so you've got to kind of exp- and we, we're kind of defining it completely from scratch. So it will of course look a bit like Soul Survivor because we're taking on the baton from Soul Survivor, yeah. and it would be disrespectful, frankly, for us to just throw the entire model out. Um, and there's an awful lot of good in what Soul Survivor did. Um, we are going to be a little bit different, though. And one of the key ways that we're going to be different is um, we we really want this to be a place where you come with your um, your local church youth group. And to some extent, you stay in your local church youth group in some key moments yeah. that you might not have done at previous events and festivals. Um, so the first part of the day, we're going to actually ask groups to stay together. And we're going to provide loads of different ways to do small group Bible study. Really simple stuff, but that you could do as a small group in a range of locations and ways. In the meetings themselves, we're going to find some way, in the main meetings, the main sessions, um, we're going to find some ways to keep youth groups together at moments where traditionally they might have scattered. Um, so one really important thing that we've, we've been talking about recently for us is when we invite people to make a faith commitment, and we are going to do that. We're yeah, going to absolutely. present the absolutely. Christian gospel clearly, and then we're going to invite young people to um, commit their lives to Jesus. When they do that, we're going to invite them to do that where they are Mm -hmm. in the context of their local group, not sort of come to the front or or go to some other venue to do that. Now, I'm not criticizing that because I think it's it's a great model. There is a place for that, isn't there? There is a place for that. But I think when we're trying to build something new and particularly we're trying to empower youth groups that are starting again, it's really important that we don't dislocate that moment from the local church youth group. So um, so that's one way that very practically it will look and feel different. And, and we're finding that youth leaders are loving that. And we share yeah. that with church leaders and youth leaders. They're like, oh, yes, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So that's resonating well, isn't it? Yeah. I, I um, In our little setting in, in Blackburn, we're sort of building up, not just to bring in young people to satellites as an event, but actually getting used to taking young people away again. Yeah. And, and because we're brand new to them and them to us. So our experience that was last Saturday, I drove the minibus. You did. I did. Have you got the license for because that? No one else in our team that. is able to do it. So that tells you a lot about the age. And oh, I see. So I was driving the minibus. So I had these young people and Ethan in the front with me. Um, and um, and our, it was a little trial run, really, to take our young people from the estate into a field, basically about 20 minutes away. Because I want them, these young people, to be able to respond to the sound of my voice. And I'm not sure that I can uh, bring these young people to a much larger event unless i have a sense of how they're going to behave do you know what this sounds like this sounds like puppy school it's so controlling but as a team we're like how how is this actually going to work so we brought them to the middle like the bleasdale hills so we have this beautiful hills in lancashire we literally found a little village hall in the middle of nowhere and i mean the middle of nowhere enormous fields and on the theory that by the time they got far enough away from us to actually be a risk of escaping they would have worn themselves out right and we'd still be able to see them yes. and they would come back it was the yeah. most amazing day wow. actually and I, I joke about that but what was so that what <laughs> was so brilliant so... what were your recall words <laughs> did you keep them on a lead <laughs> pizza <laughs> um no and it was so much fun fun we had such fun together and it just it, it it was like literally six seven hours but all of us as a team just went home saying oh we want more 
of this. Of course it takes work getting consent forms, booking the minibars. Of course it's a lot of infrastructure that we've got to relearn. But when you're in a field with young people and you're not having to send them home and then see them next week, but you've got that extended time, all of us drop them home saying, we cannot wait to do this again. This is going to be so much fun. Because you just see in that short amount of time, these young people relax, they let their guard down, they enjoy it, they respond really positively, and you're there with them if stuff crops up or they're unhappy or not sure. You're not going anywhere, they're not going anywhere, it's all really safe. So I, I just want to really, really, really encourage you that if you're thinking, I'm going to be bringing young people to satellites who are fairly new to us, we've not really done this with them before, you're in the majority thinking that. You're going to be surrounded by lots of other youth workers who are doing this too. But before we let people go, don't go anywhere, don't leave, don't leave the podcast. Um, It's not just bringing young people to satellites. We also are looking for people who have got a heart to serve and to join the team. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. So uh, two things to say. One is, as you've just said, Book in satellites. We've got loads of people coming. We've got loads of groups. It's going to be amazing. Um, the uh, booking deadline oh, yes. is the end of, end of June, June to, get the, um, yeah. to get the standard rate. Yes. Otherwise, you are paying the on-the-door rack rate. Mm. So, so get in before the end of June. Um, but also, we really would love lots of people to join our team. Um, so we need about 400 people to make this work. Uh, it would be a great way of you seeing what satellites is like if you can't come this year, but you want to sort of have a peek at it um but also if you are going to a different event or you can't you know or you're just listening to this and you can't come to an event we would love to have you come and serve on team we've got loads of different ways that you could get involved you can tell us what you do and don't want to do we'll put you in the right team the right time of day for you um and also there's amazing children's provision so if you are um you know if you've got kids and you you know who aren't teenagers and you want to bring them along you can put them into a world-class children's provision. I'm saying that because Charles, who's sitting here quietly, <gasps> not, is actually heading that up. your son, Charles. Charles. My son, Charles, <laughs> is heading up the children's work. Can you say something exciting about the children's work? Can you? You'll have to be on the microphone, Charles. Yeah. Otherwise, it, you would just be saying it to yourself. Yeah, um, lots of exciting things about the children's work. Uh, we've been looking at it and planning it, and there's going to be workshops, practical, physical, uh, prayer workshops and uh, performance workshops as well as part of it. Uh, there's going to be a gunge tank. Um, been working on a big game called the 100 Chalk Drop, which I've tried to run beautifully. Um, well, as there's so much that I'm excited about. It's, it's really going to be amazing. Good. It's going to be really fun. Really the, the heart behind the children's ministry at Satellites is that it, it takes part as part of the Satellites values. So actually, we're going to look at all the Satellites values as part of the kids' work. So it's not uh, just a babysitting club. It's actually they are going to get spiritual input and understand this model of putting God at the center of their lives and what does that mean for a child. Um, so that when they're older, they are prepared for Satellites Festival oh, I love as it. teenagers. So just to be really practical, um, so what ages? What age are we talking? So we're talking, so there's two different groups. There's noughts to fours. That's Satamites, I think is what it's called. Oh, it's called what? Satamites? I love it. And then there's the Satellites Kids, which is 5 to 12. Um, and 12-year-olds have the option of whether yes, they want to stay inside way. that or whether they might That's want to go to the really main stage brilliant. as well. That is really brilliant. So, oh my goodness, we're really excited about this. Be good. I love about that is Charles's voice appears not to have broken yet, which <laughs> it has. Charles, we love you and affirm <laughs> you. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. You made me get up at five o'clock this morning yes, so exactly. that I could be here. So exactly. there's no, that my voice is on you. And uh, we 
it comes to wrap up. I mean, I have a memory of a very long time it. ago we started this episode. So I have a this feeling. This has been going for some weeks. I have a feeling we need to wrap it up now and slowly kind of uh, jump the red lights and get this vehicle home. So take care, everybody, and see you next time.